Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat of my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my, body is, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Becoming a parent is a funny thing because when face-to-face with this little person who might look like you but still behaves in ways that are completely baffling sometimes, suddenly you have this whole new appreciation and understanding of what your own parents went through in raising you. When I was a child, whenever I would eat a ton of one particular food, my mom would warn me of the potential consequences of eating too much of one thing. She would say something like, if you keep eating so many chocolate bars, you're going to turn into a chocolate bar. Now, I thought this was the silliest thing at the time. I would pause to think about what life would be like as a chocolate bar or a banana or French toast or whatever the food was that particular day. I don't think it ever made me pause long enough to consider eating something else. Now, was my mom the only one who used this sort of expression? Did anyone else hear this? Oh, good, then I'm not alone, because now I'm that mom. The other day, Madeline was chowing down on a big bowl of strawberries, and she was seriously eating them faster than I could wash and cut them. And without being aware of it happening, I channeled my mom and said, if you keep eating all those strawberries, you're going to turn into a strawberry. Now, I hope I haven't scarred Madeline with this misinformation I don't want her checking her hands and face for signs of strawberryfication. But as she grows older, I do want her to make the connection between what she chooses to put into her body and how that makes her feel or helps her grow. What we put into our bodies is important. We need to consume calcium for strong bones, We need iron-rich foods like spinach for our blood to carry oxygen to our cells. We need vitamin C to help our immune systems fight off germs. 
And I think we also need a healthy relationship with goodies and treats, donuts and ice cream and such. At least I read recently that calories are not empty calories as long as they are filled with joy. Some might say we are what we eat. And while we're not turning into chocolate bars or strawberries anytime soon, we can really benefit and be changed by what we eat and what we consume. Now, the past three weeks, we've talked about Jesus as the bread of life. Well, what happens to us when we eat this living bread? What do we become? In our gospel, Jesus says, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. It's a strange and graphic image. In fact, I think Jesus is trying to shock his audience because the Greek text uses two different words for that word eat, and one of them is actually closer to the word chew. Jesus tells us to chew his flesh. It doesn't just sound strange today, reminding us of zombies and vampires with all this talk of eating flesh and drinking blood. The words of communion were strange enough that the first Christians were accused of being cannibals by the people who distrusted and feared this new religion. But this earthy, visceral imagery that forces us to react is kind of the point. John begins his gospel by saying that the word that was God became flesh. God was no longer far away in some heavenly separate realm. God was on earth in flesh, like us, part of our messy, imperfect human world. Jesus is offering us himself in a very real way, in a way that we can touch and taste, in a way that takes something so familiar and ordinary, bread and grapes, and makes them heavenly food. We are offered the body of Christ to put into our own bodies. In my years of being a pastor, and even before becoming a pastor, there is one thing I can say that is true of every congregation I've seen so far. Kids are the best at taking communion. One of the things that I miss most about pre-COVID worship is being able to hand each person communion. It's my favorite part of worship. And when giving communion to children, that is my favorite favorite. I remember one little boy, Nate, who was so excited for communion each week that he never waited for me to place the bread in his hand. As I said, the body of Christ given for you, before I could finish that sentence, the bread had been snatched from my hands. In one visiting family, a young girl decided that she needed to go back through the communion line 
so that she could get more communion and bring it back to her baby sister who was still in the pew. A sweet toddler named Eric, on the day he was baptized actually, came back up for his own second helping of Jesus. And I'm pretty sure he was the first and the last person to take communion that day. And my own daughter, Madeline, this should come to no surprise to anyone, received her first communion in a way that reminds me of Jacob stealing Esau's rightful blessing. When she ripped the bread right from Dada's hand and claimed it as her own. Now, Burton thought I would be upset missing this momentous first. There's no picture for the baby book, pastor mom not getting to be able to soak in that moment of handing her daughter communion. But I think it was perfect. Because in that moment, Madeline claimed this holy meal that it rightfully belongs to her. Us grown-ups could learn a thing or two from the way these young ones take communion. We're always trying to teach them what it means, its significance. But this is one of the places where they have more to teach us. In this sacrament, Jesus is both host and meal. We are invited to touch and taste Jesus, receive forgiveness, be sustained by a Savior who gives his own body to nourish us and have a glimpse of this heavenly party with all the saints. And knowing that, we should be really excited about this meal, enthusiastically ripping open our communion kits, requesting seconds from the usher, having this urge to go share it with a friend or a loved one, ready to claim this meal as your own. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the body of Christ given for me. As Lutherans, from my experience at least, our faith tends to live here in our heads. We like to think. We like Bible studies and Sunday school and book clubs and a well-educated clergy, eight to nine years of higher education, if you didn't know, which is all good. It's all good. Thinking about our faith helps us articulate our faith, and that might help us live out what we believe. It might help us spread the gospel to others. And yet, Jesus promises to be present in the bread and cup. And it's not about thinking. It's not about the perfect articulation of communion theology. It's about being human, hungry and thirsty. It's about eating and drinking and meeting Jesus where Jesus promises to meet each one of us in the bread, in our bodies, in our flesh. Faith isn't just what we think, a set of truths that we assent to, 
Faith lives outside of our minds. It lives in our hearts and our bodies and in our very beings. We experience God with our whole self. And we need this meal. Our worship is liturgical, which means that we follow a pattern each week. For some people, this might feel repetitive or perhaps insincere because we say and we sing many of the same things, exactly the same from week to week. But I think about the other things that we tend to do on repeat. Sleep, eat dinner, brush our teeth, kiss our spouses, drink water, hug our children. The things we do most often are really important. And their frequency doesn't make them any less valuable. We are fed every week by our worship service, by hearing God's word read aloud, by remembering others in the prayers for the church, those in need, and the whole world, by taking time to share the peace with one another, and by practicing generosity through our offering. But nothing feeds us in quite the same way as Holy Communion does. At this table, we are given the bread of life, God incarnate, God made flesh, to put into our bodies, to have a piece of the divine mix and mingle with our earthly vessels. We bring ourselves to Jesus, and Jesus brings himself to us. We are sustained, transformed, and renewed. It turns out mom was right, as moms have the tendency to be. If you eat enough of something, you'll become it. When we gather at this meal week after week, when we eat of this bread and wine, the body and blood of Christ, we become the body of Christ. Our bodies are nourished with this heavenly food, and then we are sent out to share God's love and to be the body of Christ in the world. Amen.